Hey, everybody, this is Logan. Before we dive into the after show, I just wanted to mention that Wheels was recording from uh, a different place than they're usually recording. And so their audio setup wasn't uh, 100% like ideal. And you can sort of hear it with a couple of like little pops and beep boops. And I just encourage you to see those as a little robot that is chilling with wheels. Uh, the robot's name is, uh, why did I, why did I back myself into this corner? The robot's name, hold on. I, well, now I have to go randomly generate a robot name. Uh, hold please. Okay. The robot's name is unified education emulator. It just went with, so we can call it. Ui. Anyway, uh, enjoy Ui's presence in this episode. Also, we mentioned it in the episode, but I wanted to say it up top as well, just as like a double little reminder thing, but we will be taking our standard break after this after show episode. Uh, it'll be two weeks, uh, and then we're actually going to have two more weeks where we'll have some content. We're going to upload some of the bonus episodes from years past of Patreon. We wanted a little break at the end of the year, so look forward to those. After those, those four weeks, we'll be back to having a mini season with a special guest and uh, then more stuff after that. Thank you. Have a fun after show. Yay. Very Random Encounters, a show where we play pen and paper RPGs in which we've randomly determined as many things as possible, including characters, villains, names, places, and other after stuff. It all comes together to be a very random encounter. I'm after Wheels. I'm after Logan. I'm after Lee. And I'm after Greg. And it's the after show. <laughs> you made it, listener. You went, <laughs> you d- you went through a whole road trip on Planet Cryptid. I hope you didn't get too motion sick. <laughs> Hope you didn't get too magic sick. It was only when we were like flying through the air from a slingshot that I started getting <laughs> that'll do it for sure. Yeah, that'll... I mean for me, like all the smoke wing scenes were really difficult to perform as someone who has <laughs> no that's a joke. <laughs> do we wanna just start with like the world building stuff that I because uh, there's not a lot of random generation to talk about that wasn't on the pod because Yeah. With it being a GMless game, I was facilitating. We were rolling tables on screen. So should I just start with uh, world building stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Please tell us about how you made this cool world. I always it always takes me so long to decide what I actually want to play because there's a lot of games that like seem really cool, but then I think about having to keep track of like initiative orders or <laughs> like. Uh, or just any any sort of uh, record keeping like that and I just uh, don't want to anymore Uh, (laughs) and so I end up finding something else and and then I'm thinking like ah this is like too it doesn't really fit what I want to go with and I at one point was thinking I would do Fellowship again um, do a sequel to Fellowship and just uh, set it on like another continent and just see some other part of that world but what I came to is that I didn't necessarily like, and I mean, Fellowship is a great game. I don't 
I didn't necessarily want to go back to like a Tolkien-esque thing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what I came to after a bit where I was like, I don't know. It, I feel like even though it, Fellowship is a really creative take on Tolkien stuff, I was like, I don't really want to <laughs> do that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I just started brainstorming of like what else I could do fantasy wise and like not even thinking about games anymore in particular. And I wanted something that when I was done building the world, I could feel like I could just hand it off to the group and then be like, we ever want to set a mini season here? Or if we ever want to, you if there's a se- full season you want to set on Planet Cryptid, that I, that it would be, I would be able to kind of hand it over to, to the group if we wanted to. That Because I, I recognize that like one thing about our show, you know, we only do sequel seasons so often that uh, we sometimes don't have the ability to, like, go back to a world and have it feel like it's changed over time. Um, And that's always a thing that I like uh, in media, when you can, like, see the change over time in one uh, setting. And I thought if we could kind of make one that felt, like, uniquely ours, that would be really fun. And that's when I landed on the idea of, like, a universe or a dimension or I wasn't settled on it at that point. (laughs) <laughs> um, I still am not actually. <laughs> yeah, there's no need to be. Where there is no like object permanence, and it's and randomness is the randomness is the ultimate. It's the default state of the universe, as I explained at the beginning of the season. Because I thought that it would be neat, a neat way to kind of explore like a uh, a post scarcity thing, because you're using all of this. Like you're there's too much stuff. And it all kind of needs to be processed rather than having a lack of things that you need to, you know, scramble over. And that kind of got me into, okay, how, like, what is going to keep this world together then? And I thought it would be, and I thought, you know, with my interest in, like, world religions, I thought it would be really interesting to have, like, ritual and magic be the thing that actually, like, keeps your house together. (laughs) Um, And in that way, magic kind of ends up feeling really different than what we call magic, uh, like, in... You know, what we would consider magic as like um, imparting chaos into the world, maybe in magic on planet cryptid is like imparting order onto the chaos in a way that is kind of unnatural, but needed to have all the cryptids live. And I thought that was interesting. And I hadn't even actually landed on the cryptid bit at that point, but I just needed some I needed some anchor. You know, I needed some like fictional oeuvre to pull from. Um, and I didn't. Yeah, I didn't want to do elves and, and uh, wizards. And I didn't want to do, like, sci-fi. And I thought uh, it was really fun in Agents of the ODD when we were all cryptids. And I thought that would be fun to do again. <laughs> and I thought I could come up with a bunch of funny cryptid ideas. Yeah, you were right. Yeah. And that's how it started. And then I wrote that big sheet. You know, I generated... I had generated the map way earlier, like, when I was still having it going to be a... Have it be, like, a fellowship thing. And I was going to be like, okay, the continent to the east is where fellowship happened. and that, But obviously that went out the window eventually, and I retrofitted the map <laughs> into the planet cryptid map. And I just started coming up. It's important to me, like, in a fictional setting that, like, like every everybody's got a homeland, you know? Planet cryptid is very cosmopolitan. You can find anybody anywhere. But, like, everybody, it's, it's utopian in that everybody works together. Everybody is has a home everybody you know there is work to do there are problems to solve but ultimately it's nothing that cooperation can't fix and i kind of like that utopian idea and then i just came up with kind of the road trip idea because 
it would be a good way to flesh out the world and to see a lot of it in one season. And then if we wanted to come back, we can, you know, maybe zoom into one place a little more and really explore its particular rituals and what goes into making it. But I thought the road trip would be a fun way to establish like a general tone of the setting before we dove into one particular thing. And then that's how I ended up on Wander Home, because it is a traveling game. And also I thought that it's prompts were not exactly like cryptid relevant but um i thought they were like close enough that and i I think that did work generally we were able to kind of finagle into our particular type of weirdness i I think it it was pretty good like the uh, the prompts were strange enough Mm -hmm. that yeah it made it fun and uh what what else about oh i there's some things that i would they're like you know nitpicks i have on our home about like not really knowing, like, the mechanics are written in the same flowery language as the descriptions, and I never know what they mean. (laughs) (laughs) And also, it's overly long, but I really did appreciate its, you know, once I realized which mechanics I liked and which I didn't and just didn't want to worry about, like, the token stuff was like, I just don't care about this. Uh, (laughs) But, like, I really liked the setting mechanic and the seasons mechanic because they kind of allowed me to delegate, like, all right, you look at this setting, you look at this setting, and between the four of us looking at all these prompts, we'll come up with something. And we always did. Uh, and so in that way, the game, uh, I think, worked for what I wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it went great. Uh, y'all got questions for me? I don't have a question exactly, but I think your brain is really cool. Oh, and thanks. <laughs> that you were able to come up with this. I could never. I struggled enough just to like live in this world, but like... Mm. coming up with it in the first place wow that's so cool how how different everybody is <laughs> oh thanks and, yeah yeah i i thought the best way to like give myself a good understanding of it was to just work on that spreadsheet and just narrow it down to like all if like if it didn't spark joy at, you know if i wrote it and then came back and it didn't spark joy i would i would delete that entry of the list so i ended up with was a big spreadsheet of all cryptid types and occupations that I thought would be really interesting, could make for really interesting stories. And then like kind of the rest of the world building came from there. Like I wanted all the regions to feel slightly distinct, albeit cosmopolitan. So that's why I had like, you know, Newland is is like kind of LARPing basically. And like, <laughs> you know, the anthill runoff has its thing going on. Uh, like all the places kind of have uh, some more than others yeah. have kind of um, connecting themes. But I thought that kind of helped make it feel a little real, too. I'm looking at these words and they're amazing. <laughs> a horror bird. Yeah, I was uh, that that me I was playing uh elden ring when i wrote that oh yeah (laughs) that game basically has what i was imagining as uh, of horror birds they're just really exaggerated giant head birds that um... oh those things i thought for a second (laughs) you were talking about the ones that have that somebody surgically made their feet into swords that's that what those ones are funny too but i was thinking of like the ones that don't fly that just like run on the ground and uh look like they would destroy me in a second the thing that (laughs) makes everybody go caleb sucks yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i love what y'all did with all of your like i i love exploring bulky's changes as a result of his being a broadcast ghost i loved everything there was about joy um I know. just 
just the way that <laughs> all came too. together and and Logan, what you brought to that character and and her arc is really amazing to me. And and Greg, I really love like I was worried like. I knew I could have a lot of fun with, like, the water spirit, but I was, like, hoping, I was, like, oh, I hope that one doesn't, like, feel boring, because it's, like, more, you know, maybe, like, more generically fantasy. But, like, I love all the directions he took Merilodi, especially with his, um, you know, adding in the fact that he's, like, trying to design, you know, games and, like, entertaining experiences, really. And just, like, the joy and silliness of Merilodi uh, yeah. always captivated me. So I really love what you all brought to my... Just like simple, pretty simple prompts. I really liked that Greg was always like very aware that morality was made out of water and <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> wherever in the like air or whatever, and really is like I'm trying really hard to keep it together, okay? <laughs> but you're <laughs> <in> the air. <laughs> and I feel like that aspects like that like a lot of the problems came or not problems but just like the you know the obstacles for us to overcome were just natural results of our characters um and like they feel like we showed a lot of like how this world accommodates everyone <laughs> and how that takes work but it's important work and mm-hmm. it's valuable and it's like crucial to making a utopia actually utopian mm-hmm. should we just t- transition to talking about y'all's characters sure sure and I guess mine eventually, but I've been talking enough. Yeah, who wants to go? I mean, Joy was a masterpiece, so you might as well start. <laughs> okay. Well, that's it's hard to follow. <laughs> one of my, like legit one of my favorite characters uh played on the show so far, I think. Aw, thank you so much. Uh she's I don't know, she is wonderful. It's I told y'all this, I don't think we've had it on uh, any kind of tape or anything, but like Joy just made complete sense in a world that didn't make sense to me. Joy made sense. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Even right yeah. from the jump. And I wanted to play a character that was kind of like all already had her journey. Like she was already like a complete person that didn't yeah really need like character growth, but then still found an arc of her, you know, just letting everybody know, like she's, she's leaving. And the, the sort of like, I mean, it wasn't even really, like there wasn't a weirdness to telling everybody. It was just like she couldn't get a get it into the conversation naturally. So eventually, yeah, she yeah was just it was like, something she had yeah. to, she had to do, and it's not an easy conversation to have, even if you're prepared for it. Yeah, yeah. It's like how do you start that conversation? Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's like I don't know. I I where most characters I just like draw from something about myself or whatever. And of course there's a lot of me and joy, but joy is more like an aspirational type of character because I would love to be as rock solid about who I am and what I want. And yeah. 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 As, as joy is. Ooh, before we transition to anybody else, I'm going to add in a thing I forgot to say before, Ooh. and maybe I'll have to do this every time because I'll keep remembering things, but a key component that I wanted with the uh, whatever setting I came up with at the end was that it would be fun to listen to. And so that's really where I landed up. That's like also what kind of landed me towards like the cryptid thing of like it's heavily influenced by like popular culture. I thought like being able to cut cut away to things like we did. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Made- that was really cool made it yeah made it like engaging and and you know i wanted it to feel like planet cryptid was the secret radio station that you're accidentally tuning into and if and like that was just a blast to play with and also because it's so kelvin ball with what's possible physically it made for there's so many scenes that just sound funny in this season 
more than we've been able to do in the past, I think. Mm-hmm. And that was really fun, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's I think that's Wonder Home, right? Like, I mean, I I have some like reservations about the game as a whole, but I mean, it did what it said on the tin, which is like create these situations and like basically make conflicts that aren't really that aren't fights or anything. They aren't even yeah. they're very low stakes and funny most of the time <laughs> i more meant literal literal sound like the sound effects and you know being oh, able to, yeah. to come up with scenarios that we then later put effects over and and things like that is more what i was but you're absolutely right but yeah i uh, i big applause because like i don't know we i think having two editors on the show is a really good thing for i mean lots and a lots trillion of reasons, reasons. Yeah. <laughs> but one of them i would is not that... do this show without you logan right <laughs> yeah, same. yeah. <laughs> we we i mean yeah if you're listeners if you're gonna start a podcast try and get two editors because it just <laughs> makes it a lot more feasible but one of the great things about that is that we sort of like with each edit we sort of dare each other to go a little further yeah and like you just kept Plussing up on the sound effects, I'm like, well, I gotta, I gotta do that too. I gotta make sure <laughs> you did amazing this season. I was like so happy, like that, like you took the alley oop and just like fucking slammed it. I, I really, really love. I mean, that is one aspect of the season I'm exceptionally proud of. Is I mean, there's a lot that I'm proud of. Like I am proud, ex- extremely proud of the world that we built. And I'm also just proud of how this season sounds. I think it's really cool and really yeah, unique. I think it was really that the soundscape in general is just really cool. Thanks. Uh, who's next character wise? Uh, I can go. Yeah. Bulky. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I think like not a secret. This this season was a struggle for me. But yeah. I also think that like it's kind of a testament to like find yourselves a group of people to play a game with that you trust the way I trust the other three yeah. people on yeah. this podcast. Because yeah. every moment of this, I was like, I don't understand what's happening. I can't picture mm-hmm. any of this. I can't conceptualize what the fuck <laughs> this is. I'm but sorry I that trust was your experience. you. No, it's fine because like at no point did I feel like it didn't frustrate me. Like it's it that could have been a really frustrating yeah. experience. But because yeah. I trusted y'all and I knew that like whatever y'all would have my back and if it got too much or if it got weird or if it got like I don't think I can do this, like you would have helped me through it and you did help me through it. I mean, the few times where I was like, I don't know what's happening. Please help. Like, you, y'all you all did. Yeah. yeah. So I think, like, I don't know. I, I think it's just a really cool thing about our show in general that we are able to just kind of, I don't know, like, try weird stuff and make it work. <laughs> you know, I love you know? playing pretend with y'all. Yeah. It's 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 such a, it's like a safe space yeah. and a wonderful, yeah. beautiful one. Yeah, exactly. It's safe, and I just don't. I mean, I play. I have another group I play D anD D with, and I really like them a lot. And I trust them to not like make the game weird or to do something I'm not comfortable with. But I don't think I could play a game like this with them. Mm. Like mm. I can play D anD D with them, but. I don't know. It's just like because so it's different. got a little more structure. Yeah, yeah. So, and you know, I mean, obviously, like we've also been doing this every week for like six years. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. at this point, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you know, if you can't trust somebody at this point, like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, how did you get to the six year point? <laughs> yeah. So, um, oh. so it was interesting to do it, and I just, you know, leaned hard on like it's okay if I don't understand what's going on. Neither does Bulky. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just sort of like Neither do I in real life most yeah, of right, the time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I just kind of held on to like what my idea of him was and basically I just I mean like a broadcast ghost is you can interpret that. I mean the same way that you could interpret joy. I mean that mm-hmm. was like a uh what that was a um hermit crab. Uh, hermit crab? Possessor yeah. hermit crab. Possessor yeah. hermit crab. Yeah. Like all of these things can be interpreted in so many different ways. So you can't be wrong. And I just thought like, well, a broadcast ghost to me is like the echoes of something that has just like filtered through space time. And that's how I I thought of it. Yeah. By the time it got to Planet Cryptid, it just is this sort of like weird amalgamation of like what everyone thinks about this thing creature that telephone game the man (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) and um so and then once like i don't even know what made me decide that i wanted his form to change but it was just kind of just thinking along those lines of like i think what it was i was getting the postcard stuff ready and um i wanted to get stickers well i tried to get postcards of cryptids and that was harder to do than i thought it would be but then I had found some stickers and I kept seeing like all these different interpretations of the Loveland frog. And some were like twee and some were, you know, he looked more like a yeah. real frog and some he looked like barely a frog. <laughs> and then I was just like, man, this thing is like, whatever, like who even knows? <laughs> and so then I just decided that he was a Cthulhu because I'm me and why not? <laughs> yeah. And you like them. Yeah. So why not? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was cool and I enjoyed you know, his little arc of just being like, I don't know what's happening, but I think I just want to settle down. <laughs> yeah, I've I, one of my favorite things this season is bulky in the create your own hat craft Aww. corner. It's so cute to me. It's like the cutest thing in the world to me. Um, yeah. yeah. Just putting his little hat together. I liked that scene. That was fun. <laughs> and that came from the game, too. That came from Wonder Home because... That was part of his character sheet. The Hat Festival. Yeah, the Hat Festival. Well, the Hat Festival too, but that was on my character sheet was that he was just good at crafting or something. I don't remember the exact words now, but yeah. So I was just like, well, okay, well, here's some crafting. He's going to get to it. And I think this is one of the few male characters I've played. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I don't I don't feel it's comfortable always a doing that frog. very often. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah, bud. Yeah. Every time I play a Loveland frog. <laughs> Taking baby steps out of the comfort zone. I appreciate it. That's funny. That's me. Should we do Greg and Morality? Let's do it. Sure. It's hard to come up with unique fools. <laughs> uh-huh. Because like I never want like I never want them to be just dumb, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Mm-hmm. That's just a frustrating mm-hmm. thing. So, like with Zoli, it was knowledge directly removed. Yeah. And when this came up, like, oh, it's the only place that has internet. It's the only place that has like all of these things, and you make flash games. I realized that Merlady is innocent 
because he focused so hard on the career that once you take that away, you just don't know how to live. Yeah. Like once I realized like, oh, I've wasted way too much of my life doing these AAA games where they treat me like crap. I have no idea how to make my way in a world where I'm competent and happy. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to lean into that with the fool aspect of both. Like you're essentially new to the world, but also Merloni's struggling with being a fool for a long time at this company that never cared for his well-being. I mean, like he obviously in like a comedic sense plays the fool in or, or you know kind of is a fool in in like how like the punchline is constructed but like narratively speaking it's like he was kind of in like maybe an abusive work situation yeah. and yeah like just doesn't have a lot of experience with the rest of the world mm-hmm. and like being able to see planet cryptid through morality's eyes of like everything is oh <laughs> uh, I, it was really, really fun, and I think brought a lot of like. I'm glad that morality could take so uh, w- with such excitement to all the dumb stuff that we put. It was in, a, <laughs> on Planet Krypton. Yeah, it was a different kind of joy, pun intended. Sorry, Greg. Than Joy <laughs> Palace's joy, where like yeah. she was, she was very happy, but in a content way. And morality was just like. Everything is fun and amazing, and I'm having a great time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get to live a life now. What's that about? Yeah. Yeah. And I tried to hint at things like, like with the killing of the bugs, like I wanted to hint of morality still, like, still exists in that world. Like, this is the only way you deal with things. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. There's a bug in the programming, and yeah. so you destroy the bug. Get rid of it. Like, mm-hmm. That is what you do. Leaving any high control group, you're going to end up with some uh, reactions to things that maybe seem weird to the people around you. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure that those things were included. Like, no, this is this is what you do. And like, you know, morality's sort of weird obsession over the car was like, I was promised a thing and I've been promised things a lot and I never get them. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to get this like this is a thing I'm owed. (laughs) So I wanted to include those sort of hints of morality's like not trauma makes it sound like way worse than it is, but like leftover habits baggage. Yeah. Yeah. Just like there's some there's baggage there that it still exists to sort of hint at like why morality is a fool um, without sort of the other baggage of simple minded creature. And I wanted to like also do fun things with like water, like, these are things yeah. that can happen. And just as a creature that can flow freely from situation to situation, I wanted to include that, like, that's not just emotionally, but that is physically. So, yeah, I wanted to include, like, that's why, like, morality could break into pieces or, like, when it needed to get serious, like, oh, yeah, I can just shove the drug, the very dust into a corner and not have it affect uh-huh. me. Like, I wanted to, to play with the idea of, a creature that flows physically and mentally through this new space. Yeah. Yeah, that's cute. I liked it. I always, I tried to have bulky, like always down for whatever morality's shit was. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna play all these games and have fun with morality until there was a car and a boo involved, and then and then, <laughs> then bulky was just like, <laughs> okay, all right, this is enough. I don't like these boos. <laughs> Valid. I don't I don't know if you all have seen players, but that 
to me, like most of the characters from players uh, could be like Morality's coworkers. Because I think yeah. like <laughs> one of the things that, that that show does, it's like it's funny and it's about these people who are socially awkward. But it really highlights how if like you were saying, like if, if something is your whole world, especially like when you're young, you kind of put growing on pause and that can result in like foolishness. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I think that was yeah. a really smart yeah. way to play. It. Yeah. Because those people are all stuck at being like, you know, 15, Wh- right. whatever yeah. year they started playing League of Legends. That's how old they still are, even if they're oh. 30. <laughs> yeah. And we've all met those people. Yeah. Yep. Anything else on morality, Greg? I don't think so. I think like, I think overall, I think morality had the most, most places to go. And I think it did some of that. Like, like if there's ever a sequel or as we revisit it, like, like, I think there is a, there is a level of, of morality having to accept joy's changes and other things mm. that change so fluidly like i think there is still resistance there but um oh do you think he's really sad oh definitely yes mm. yeah i mean yeah. yeah that makes sense that's cool Dang. because i think anytime like this is the thing that i've had to talk about a lot recently just because yeah. you get older but it's hard to balance people who have had a long and happy life with the fact that they're gone. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that grief dichotomy is a tough thread that you kind of have to get used to dealing with. Mm. Yeah. And so I kind of wanted a little bit of that towards the end of like, there's no way you can't say that Joy had a great life and did all the things, right? Like <laughs> this was the time, but still... There's always it would be going, nice to still have her right. Yeah. There's, gonna, there's always now a hole there that just needs yep. to exist, and you need to be comfortable with. There's a joy-sized hole there yeah. now. Yeah, and I'll look at it and be like, oh. Yeah, I think it's like <laughs> um, losing your parents or your grandparents, where it's like mm. that's normal and that's part of life, you know, in general. Yep. But it still can be really hard. When it's like, but I wasn't ready for it, even right. though, right. like, my grandmother <laughs> yeah. was 87 years old. I can't really expect her to have done better than that. Yeah. But yeah. I was in my 20s. Or, well, yep. I was yeah. I was in my, or, no, was I in my 20s? I was in my late 20s or early 30s or whatever. And I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. And, I, like, I spent years being jealous of other people when I would see them with their grandparents and I would be like, well, why is my grandmommy still here? <laughs> and, yeah. you know, like that took a long time to go away where I just was like mad at everybody else that still had grandparents. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's weird because my grandfather had sort of mentally gone long before physically gone, right? Like mm-hmm. the person that was my grandfather. Yeah. Wasn't the there. So there was like a long period of getting used to that idea. Yeah. And then it's weird because like when he died, it was like, okay. It's kind of It's a finally relief. over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother who was plugging away at 93, when she died, it was like, oh, we're, no, 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 no. Yeah. Wrong. This can't happen. No, nope. no, no. Stop, stop. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is not the time, but yeah. it is like 93 years. Yeah. Wow. But nothing can make you ready when you're not ready. (laughs) Yeah, but like the people who are left behind are never fully ready for that. Yeah. And I don't think you ever can be. 
No. Which is good. You can be different levels of prepared, but you can't be yes. ready. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, cause like you said, like my grandfather was the same. Like he had been on a slow decline for a long time. And because he'd had dementia, like the person who he was had been gone for years. Oh. So it was just kind of yeah. like yep. losing his shell, not losing him. I, I lost him a long, yeah. long time before he died. Yeah. But mo- my grandmother, that was so much quicker and, you know, mm-hmm. just, yeah. just not ready. You're just not ready sometimes. Yep. Yeah. Should we, uh, well, actually, I've got a, if we're, if we're ready to switch on over to smoke wings. Yeah. Right yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, another oh I forgot to mention it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thing. Uh, we recorded this season differently than we usually record. Yeah. Um, because mm-hmm. we recorded half of the season in one week's time, which <laughs> yeah, uh, just for a, a variety of reasons, it had to be that way scheduling wise for us, and we couldn't really have done that in a GM'd game. Yeah, I don't think it would have been harder. No. Really interesting. A really interesting bit of this experimentation is seeing how GMlessness, um, although at times it might seem like an additional challenge, actually makes some of the logistics um, way easier. I thought that was just neat. You know, some challenges with it, but also yeah. some benefits out of it. Yeah. And in that regard, like when I was making a character, or rather when I was rolling one up and then interpreting him, I. Wanted knowing that I was going to be not GMing but facilitating, right? I wanted a character who was just in a similar place to me, which is to say, burned the fuck out. <laughs> um, I I am at the end of a. I'm well. I'm not even at the end. I still got another week of of leave off of work, which I needed desperately. And so you know, be being able to channel someone who just has intense wanderlust just needs to get away from the daily grind Mm -hmm. and just see some new sights uh really came naturally to me and with the where dove thing i hit upon pretty early just how like someone in that situation being able to fly would be like the most freeing feeling i could Mm -hmm. imagine and having her like come to understand herself better through flight and like under and and uh like understand the fluidity in her gender through flight was really fun to explore it's also nice to like whenever you can represent someone who's like questioning Mm -hmm. in a way that feels natural which i hope i did with smoke wings i also you know always nice to uh check off the like uh, representational bingo of like, mm. yep, we gotta, we gotta <laughs> she him up in this bitch. We got everybody, <laughs> but no, the the weird dove thing was really fun for me, mm-hmm. um, and I really love uh doing the voice. <laughs> you, it was a really good one, and I liked uh how he was just he's like you wouldn't think of it because of his voice, but he's really sensitive, <laughs> and I liked that about him. Yeah, <laughs> he he and he had yeah, like absolutely. Well, there were vulnerable moments, like even before yeah. the transition and realizing like the fluidity of, of the gender there, like there was still vulnerable stuff even before that. Like that wasn't the only yeah. thing about that character, which is, I think like, obviously that's what's so needed in all of these kinds of storytellings where like 
you don't have, it doesn't have to just be about that. That's part of it. It can be a lot. It can be a big part of it, but it's not in the same way that that's not the only part of any of us. It's Uh not the only part of your characters. And I think it's really important to show that. Yeah. Amidst highlighting it, you also need to show all of life's, even if it's, you know, you, you know, you need to show it in, in all of life's complicated ways. And that usually, and that often means sometimes it doesn't yeah. <laughs> matter. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Should we call it here? Because we have yeah, another half yeah. of the show to do. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Oh gosh. We yeah. talked for like yeah. three minutes. Um, all right, cool. Listener. We'll see you on the other side of a break. So Riddle says from Discord. Uh, really, all of these are from Discord because even the ones that are from Twitter, I put in translated so. through Discord. Yeah. <laughs> so here we are. Uh, so Riddle says, "How did it feel playing a giant arcade? Do you think this <laughs> is the most unique character you've ever played?" It felt awesome. Yes. <laughs> uh, Great. Moving on. I- it. Made- I'm, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I no, I think it I think it might just be that simple. I talked about it a little bit already. Yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah, Joy definitely is she's unique in the way that like she came fully formed in my brain and I don't know how that happened, but it did. Yeah. It was great. Chancina did that for me. Just she just was there. It was just there and I didn't have to work for it. Nice. Sometimes it just happens like that. Yeah. I'm really happy that the spreadsheet gifted you something so so beautiful and you took <laughs> yeah. it in a more beautiful direction than I could possibly have imagined. <laughs> it me Zoe G says, if you had to invent a brand new land off the top of your head, what would it be? I, I kind of already did that. You did that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, so given the Planet Cryptid idea and sort of how Earth stuff really reflects heavily in Planet Cryptid, I yeah. think there has to be like the land of forgotten social medias, like a bunch Ooh, of people yeah. still doing like oh, forgotten MySpace. Emails too. Oh my God. Tom from MySpace like, is the yeah. God there. For yeah. sure. <laughs> like there's a whole Second live life journal is huge section. there, dude. <laughs> you know, live journal, uh, six oh, degrees of separation. Every you walk f- five feet and you're hearing a different butt rock song. Yeah. Playing. That you cannot mute. You do not know where that you is. Did not, you do not have permission <laughs> to mute my tunes, baby. It uh, <laughs> it was fun doing this like road trip across all of these new lands. But boy, it would be really fun to come back and just like really mm-hmm. dive deep into one weird mm-hmm. place on this planet. <laughs> Anybody else have one? I don't. Uh, I mean, I you know, some sort of fucking water land, obviously. Mm. Get them fishes in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just like, yeah, I think underwater would be a fun place. In I have a lot of cryptid. thoughts about <laughs> the ocean <laughs> on Planet Cryptid <laughs> and like <laughs> what goes on there. Because oh, it's wow. like, in my head, it's like, just like our oceans, it's absurdly populated. <laughs> um, yeah. But just like, you know, way different. Haven't really thought about different how, but really interested <laughs> in that idea. Because there's a lot of ocean on, on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. 
the Bermuda Triangle is just an area of planet cryptid that you can accidentally fall into. Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, it's just all. That's what it is. The yep. Bermuda Triangle is a port, vortex portal. Wow, I was trying <laughs> to say both those words at the same time. A portex. Uh, a portex <laughs> into planet cryptid. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, Padme one. Is that? Mm-hmm. Is that yeah, correct? I think so. Yeah. Okay. We met Padmawan at... Yeah. Uh, oh, I saw that, that awesome. on Twitter. That must have been on Sunday. Yeah, it, it was, was on, on Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Yep. Well, sorry that I didn't get to meet you, Padmawan. Yeah, I was gone that day, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we hustled. Yeah, Sunday, like... like at a at a con, you want to get that stuff done before Sunday, because folks yeah. <laughs> might have to travel on Sunday. Yeah. But, you know, it was still fun. In any case, their question, or his question is, what did you think of a GMless system? My group has struggled a bit, and I was somewhat gratified to hear that even pro improvers like yourselves maybe needed wheels to take the wheel. <laughs> hey. Hey. <laughs> but what was happening backstage? I mean, we have we've done GMless games mm-hmm. like a lot, and I think this is the main one we struggled with because, like, Fiasco, I felt like went off without a hitch. The one at the end of the horror was a bit of a struggle too. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just that, but- like. GMless game, the, the the mental labor of narrative infrastructure and like uh, record keeping infrastructure that goes into a role playing game is just that d- labor is distributed very differently in a GMless game. Yeah. Where like in a GM'd game, the benefit is that you can prep all on your own, you know, the whole week before you know your next tabletop session. A GMless oh, yeah. game, you don't have that luxury, but you get to spread that labor out amongst all of the players. So it's it's mm-hmm. a uh, push and a pull in that regard. GMless is good for me when, because uh, often I'm, you know, this is uh, this season landed in, in a busy time. Uh, I guess it, I just feel like I'm always busy, but um, <laughs> it was easier for me to it, like yeah it sometimes it does take the work of like one person has to take the wheel or you know there were some episodes where like logan was kind of the gm right when we were playing episodes oh, yeah, inside the, the inside Joy. Joy. yeah that was yeah um, and i think that can be said of all of us um but that's just the one that came to mind immediately and yeah i probably took it more often just because i was the fa- the facilitator of this gm list game i think that's natural because somebody's at the end of the day somebody's yeah. got to be responsible for yeah it's for someone's idea yeah. yeah yeah and and right that's the thing because this is a podcast and not playing with our friends for just yeah. funsies we actually do have to ha- we have an agenda like we're trying to entertain mm-hmm. we're trying to keep it going and keep it you know so it's a little different for, for us for that but i also think that the reason that we struggled at all it, with the uh, planet cryptid and with the horror isn't because of the GMless part of it. I think it's because in the horror, Logan and I didn't understand the rules. <laughs> and that we was were, part of it. That was, mm-hmm. yeah, so that was just, a yeah. th- we just didn't get it. And But once yeah. we understood what the problem was, we it was much better. And then for this one, I think it was just, I mean, like on my part, I know it was because I was struggling with the setting itself right up in, like, it really... Until the last couple of episodes, I was just like, I don't understand this. But (laughs) it did click eventually. And I always liked it. It's not like I, you know, I I like the world. Mm -hmm. But I think that does make it a little harder because you know it so well. So it's like, 
natural for you to just sort of take over sometimes. Yeah, I also think the Wander Home book itself stood in our way because it's, it's written in a mixed bag. I have a lot of positive feelings and just <laughs> yeah. as many negative feelings. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's written with a very specific point of view mm-hmm. in mind. Yeah. yeah, and I think the only person that had a very very strong concept of planet cryptid at the start was Wheels. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yep. And so you're going to see that as we're struggling with the language of the book and how much the book wants to say a very specific thing with what we want to do and how we're trying to understand this completely other very specific thing. And I think we clashed with the rules a lot off like behind the scenes of I don't understand what it's asking me to do. It took us till we till like. It took us a while to find out which of the mechanics of the game were going to be the ones yeah. that functioned as like improvisational prompts, yeah. right? And yeah. it ended up being like settings and it ended up being the festival or the seasons or what have you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being Kith, um, which are all, I think, uh, really nice highlights of the book um, and make up a lot of the bulk of the text, but some of the other aspects, like basically anything that's on a character sheet often felt like it was either not useful to play or to improvisation or mm-hmm. yeah as greg is saying probably a poor match for the setting but what would have been I a good think, match for this yeah, yeah. oh yeah. I, I mean I still it, think it it's worked a, right it worked yeah it did work yeah. yeah and i still think it's a really good game for it would be a much better game to teach people how to role play Yes. Than D and D is. D and D will Agreed. teach you how to play a tabletop RPG. That's fine. Yeah. Wander Home will teach you how to be a role player. Yeah. If you don't, and how to like know. how to work with other people at the table, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, that's yeah. how to not be part an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it does. It's got really great tools. It's got mm-hmm. really great like it asks you really direct questions, but uh, but not about like do you want to look in this room for a hidden object? Right. Which is basically all D and D has. It's like how does your character feel that it's this holiday? <laughs> and yeah. that's a different, like that yeah. sparks a whole lot of different. It starts things. making you think about it different. I mm-hmm. do think like if you play Wander Home as is, you won't, like if we just took Wander Home as it was, I don't think there would have been as much sort of yeah. weird tugging yeah, around I mean, it. I suppose, I suppose there's always going to be, like if we try to mush something into something else, yeah. there's yeah. always going to yeah. be friction. That's, that's a problem of w- the function of what we're doing, not the, way the game is made mm-hmm. interestingly you uh wander home is designed you can also play it gm'd yeah. oh yeah it's interesting but i didn't want to do that uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh should we go on to the next one yeah sure uh emperor seth says first planet cryptid was a very wandery season how did planning for the season compare to ones where you have a more concrete goal how did you figure out when to end it the last question is a really has a really yeah. logistical mm-hmm. answer it's just <laughs> that we wanted a sort of holiday recording break, which we are going to go on immediately when we hit stop. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of the end of the season was dictated by logistics of getting the show out. And that was another benefit of the GMlessness is that, you know, the last half of the season was recorded in one week, which is mm-hmm. never <laughs> a thing that we would have been able to do in any GM game, or at least yeah. not any game that I ran as mm-hmm. a single GM that would have murdered me. Mm-hmm. So that's how we ended up how to figure out how to end it was that we needed to. We had a date. <laughs> yeah. 
How did planning for the season compare to ones where you have a more concrete goal? Um, well, there was less planning as for the reasons that we talked about before about the um, about GMless games and how that labor is distributed. But I think also it was a little different because, you know, I thought of it like a road trip movie. So I just wanted to be constantly thinking as we were improvising of like things that would be interesting stops along the way to do and so you were more planning moment to moment than you were arc to arc or or kind of like those narrative through lines obviously all of our characters were were giving our own arcs through the performances but as for the plot such as there is i think it was more just like the planning takes the form of like how can we make each stop along the way feel really colorful and interesting rather than like yeah focusing on like arcs yeah yeah uh, and then how did you feel about this season's escort character? I'll be honest. I sort of forgot that you were escorting someone a few times. <laughs> I'll be honest. I did uh, too. Same, yeah. Sometimes. yeah. <laughs> I think that um, we had too much fun coming up with new things and new people to see to mm-hmm. be super interested in like revisiting and like stopping like the forward momentum of the all right, what's the next thing um, was kind of intoxicating in some ways. And so mm-hmm. not really. It's like, OK, well, go back to Kiara, see what they're up to. But felt yeah. less exciting than ooh, what would <laughs> the next the setting be of the NPCs that we ever created? Kiara was like, no, I'm good. Right. Like I have my own thing going on. Yeah. I fully believe that Kiara was just like. It, you know, doing her own doing thing. Her own thing. And, yeah. 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 Like, I think if it, if we had created a very different character who would come up was, with, who yeah. would like get in problems yeah. or scrapes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Like, but instead, we had this very competent person who was much less like, I think, like, if we look behind the scenes, uh, it was much less, hey, can you escort me here? And much more like, oh, well, this is my de- next destination. And merely to be like, Oh, I'm going with. <laughs> like, yeah. And I'm taking my friends. We're going to do this trip. We mm. were guiding Kiara in a literal uh, navigational sense, but Kiara was guiding us in a spiritual <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, uh, the whole time. mentorship when sense. We, when we looked back and we saw only one set of footprints. That's what Kiara was carrying us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, should we do Emperor Seth's last question there? Yeah. One last question now that I listened to the finale. Logan, what led to your decision to ki- to quote unquote kill Joy at the finale? Oh, ascend, um, to ascend Joy. <laughs> yeah, she ascended. Uh, yeah, I. It was really like how do how what is this character's journey? Because like she already had all the all the growth. Like she came equipped with all the growth. You know what I mean? Like literally, like she was very very big, and that was reflective of her life experience and how full her life has already been, and. I don't know. We've, I mean, we've had character deaths on the show before, but we never had like peaceful, quite as like, like a, yeah, yeah, like peaceful, a... expected, like all your family around you, the ideal way to go. I'm, mm-hmm. I would say most people would say that's how they want to go, right? I really enjoyed <laughs> exploring that that idea. Yeah, though. yeah. it was really yeah, nice. It was nice. Um, and then Seth, Emperor Seth still had one last question, but it goes really <laughs> well with um, Damakage's question. So, okay. uh, together gist of it is that there was a lot of like radio static and um intercut with archival broadcasts (laughs) yeah archival (laughs) old radio clips so what was the inspiration for that 
Uh, there are so many reasons we did that. What one. it's like in my head, twenty four seven. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I am an old radio dork, and I listen to a lot of old radio drama, and so. Yeah, as Greg was alluding to, there's just a lot of stuff that lives rent-free <laughs> in my head that I need to subject people to. And when I was designing this setting, I did it in a way so that I could subject people to that. Because the idea, right, that Planet Cryptid is heavily influenced by Earth media and storytelling, I kind of want it to feel like, you know, just existence in Planet Cryptid is you're just kind of like swimming in narrative and stories and weird uh historical uh references uh, broadcasts all of these things are kind of just swimming around the ether and reverberating on planet cryptid in a way that i guess they kind of do on earth as well but also i wanted to use it as kind of a grounding element like uh maybe it's like too weird because it's like uh old stuff that won't feel maybe won't feel like grounding to every listener but to me like archival recordings and things like that like when you can really hear all of like the the art the recording artifacts of the equipment used at the time for some reason that just makes things feel so real to me and i thought it might help uh the really weird uh planet cryptid vibe kind of set in if i could clip those in and the last point is that thematically i also like there's a connection in my mind between Planet Cryptid and and that sort of thing, especially audio storytelling, like all the radio drama that I listen to. Mm-hmm. Because, God, with audio storytelling, the narrator can just say a thing. And, and they're like, I, I realize it's not the same for maybe someone like Lee who has a harder time visualizing things. But to me, where that comes very easy it's like the narrator just says something and just it just the image just comes unbidden in my mind. And it can be the most awful, shitty description, which is why I included the clip that I did in the, the finale gorillas? of. The, yeah, it's so good. The monkey <laughs> driving the impossible. airplane and then singing at the end, the gorilla rather. Yeah, because th- uh, that's from a show called Dark Fantasy, which objectively sucks. It's so poorly <laughs> written and it's so out there and bonkers. But it's just like. They will, even though it's poorly written, I, like when I hear that scene, I'm like, oh yeah, I can see that mo- that gorilla's hairy arm piloting <laughs> that plane. Um, it just, and so similarly, Planet Cryptid is meant to be like, you think it and then it exists around you. You, you, you know, you put in the ritual work and you can build that narrative world. So in the same way that it's kind of easy to do that in audio. I want. It's also easy to do that, like on Planet Cryptid. Was the idea for me when I was? I mean, because I didn't have all of that context that you just laid out. When I was adding radio clips, like one, I feel like the radio is intricately connected to this season and our show generally, just because like yeah. podcasts are modern radio, and bulky is you know a broadcast ghost. So yep. like th- those things actively influence the world of Planet Cryptid and in our you know, in the season, like Planet Cryptid actively influences the world. Like in my head, some some kid in the regular Earth has this radio that just happens to have the right like yep. Weird yep. <laughs> crystal inside it accidentally. And they're just listening to this and like every now and then it fades out and then they have to find it again. And that's that's what that is to me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. 100%, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, and then we have one last question from Frond. Um, that's an actual question. And they said, 
how do you think Planet Cryptid will feature in later seasons? And then would someone else like to take this next sentence? Because I don't know. Oh, yeah. There is a mythology word in there. That's my forte. My <laughs> uh, Frond continues. My current brain is telling me it's like the trunk of the VR, VRE Yggdrasil. But y'all have hinted that the seasons usually take place on the same planet. I ha- Have we hinted at that? We've hinted that a lot of same, them take place on the same universe. universe timeline, I think. But also with the horror, I kind of. I think we kind of blew that yeah, up a bit I, I and kind the of created the blew that up out of that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't know. Like Planet Cryptid, I would. Uh, I think it's good to have it in our back pocket as like a like wheels pitched right at the beginning. It's, it's mm-hmm. a setting we can visit. It exists. There's a, ta- a handy table to roll on for it. You can just yeah. go to it and make a anything. Like who cares? Like we know a lot of different systems. We're just playing. Sometimes a game. I think of of Planet Cryptid as like. The border intersection of like the realm of magic, the fey realm, and that kind of like world of of mythological meaning that we explored in the horror with like the roots. Like Planet Cryptid like sits on the weird border between all of those things. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, that's kind of how I think of it. But I mean, not necessarily. It, it also kind of just is its own place. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. All right. So Fran did make the after show question randomizer, but do y'all want to do it as a... Let's do a VRP. Uh, VRP, I think, such such as tradition. Yeah. 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 Because um, that was established now one time before. (laughs) It's a tradition. It's an annual. I mean, not annual. More than annual. I will will do one thing because I did roll. And this was pretty, because this ties into exactly what we were doing. It was how does the setting connect to the Una VRE verse as a whole? Yeah. And it does. <laughs> yeah, everything. No, everything that's is what connected. we just said. Yeah, that was Dots, we are yeah. connecting them. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, so the way I think of it, like, so what we establish in the horror is like the horror is one thing that set off the magic bomb that has reverberated through yeah. all of the other universes. I think Planet Cryptid sits oddly as a. I want to think of it as like a ship that is sitting on the wave of all these various things. So like all the yeah. other universes can feed in into it. And it can go to all the other ones, but it is its own separate vessel. Yeah, that definitely. Yeah. Is the kid listening to this, Noel? Uh, oh, oh, Noella. <laughs> yeah, Noella. Yeah, I mean, very sorry. possibly. That would be really cute. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. So then we'll we'll do more on a VRP. Join us. Join us behind the paywall <laughs> for more random, uh, randomly generated, but, create, generated but you questions. Know, thanks to y- here you are, listener. At the end of this season, at the end of the bonus little thing, did where you we just like talk it? about how did you really you liked like it? it? <laughs> maybe, maybe you could consider dropping a dollar or two for us on the, on the Patreon at yeah. uh, Patreon.com/vre, and then you too can have access to like a lot of content at this point. <laughs> it's I, a lot of content. Yeah, I don't even think about that often. I always think of like, all right, we have a new one due this month, but I don't think of just how much bonus yeah, content there is. Lot, mm-hmm. yeah. Thanks as well to just all of the listeners who went on this kind of wild ride. I know it uh, was very silly and very strange and very out there, but um, I like being all three of those things. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> it was uh, I, had, I had a lot of fun with it. I think we all do. Do we want to announce? Show. True. Do we want to announce our next season? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're we're gonna like we said earlier, we're gonna take a little break. Um, we're gonna well, we're gonna do two weeks. Hold on, let me bring it up. I have a handy dandy calendar. Mm-hmm. We are taking so we'll have th- 
this episode comes out on the day after Christmas, the Monday after Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have two weeks where we don't release anything. And we're going to yeah. have two weeks where we release some Patreon episodes, some VRPs, so people can kind of see what those are. And if they mm-hmm. want to, you know, join and get access to more of them. Yeah. And then our mini season starts on January 30th. Cool. Great. And we, I think we'll have two mini seasons in a row. And then... <laughs> uh, oh, uh, no, I... I don't think so. I thought we, we were doing... talked about maybe, but I don't know if we have them lined up. So we'll, we'll you will have one or maybe more mini seasons, and then Logan. Yeah. Thing. So my next season is going to be using the game Ryutama, which is kind of like a Studio Ghibli sort of like weirdly, it's a journey, like how Wonder Home is. <laughs> like everybody goes yeah. on a journey, but I think it'll end up being a lot differently. Like the game treats it like everybody's the book is definitely set up like a JRPG. Like, like also um, there's like one of the things is that the GM has a self insert character. That is one of the Ryujin, which are these dragon demigod things. So I'll have an actual character and I'll be randomizing that too. And the randomization for Ryujin changes the genre. So like, Hmm. wow. Yeah. Stay tuned. (laughs) That'll be exciting. I'm very excited. No matter what the genre ends up being, I, I do have a notion of like what this place is. So I'm excited about that. And I think y'all will be too. Cool. Uh, should we say adios to our listeners? Yeah. Adios Thanks. to our listeners. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Bye, y'all. Bye. and other something stuff like from my list of words in the after show. I think you do or... what you want. You can say weirder stuff if you want. Yeah, whatever you want. Other cryptid uh... stuff. <laughs> Dock up. Don't forget your after wheels. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did we say after show stuff? Another after show stuff? I don't know. I think we've done lots of different things. We've done lots of things. Look, we uh, can't, I... I can't remember this part. if greg can't can't remember remember, then then there's no hope yeah it's gone it's gone it got deleted it's like the berenstain bears we'll never know